Welcome to Green City, a podcast focused on sustainability. I'm your host, Lene Marty Henson. We invite you to listen in on our conversations for positive change. It is my hope that we can all come away with something that resonates within our own lives and inspires us to action within our own communities. Let's start where we are and find ways to work together to create more connected, more vibrant, and indeed more sustainable communities. Join us each week as we learn from each other. Today we wrap up our Earth Month series by exploring the spiritual aspects of climate and justice action. It has been great to co-host this series with Olivia Hicks, and we hope you've enjoyed it as, as much as we have. I learn so much with every conversation as our guests share their perspectives on where we are right now through the lens of their area of interest and expertise. While the facts of climate change can be daunting, we always want to leave you with hope and the will to act within your own life and realm of influence. Our guests today are Amy Elbert, a writer and former senior architecture editor for Traditional Home Magazine. Amy leads Plymouth Church's Creation Care and Justice Coalition. And Lois Schultz, a key member also of the Plymouth Creation Care and Justice Coalition. She also is facilitator for the Interfaith Green Coalition and she's the former director of counseling and career services at Simpson. So we're thrilled to have you both joining us in the conversation today. Thank you. So let's begin with each of you giving a brief bio about your path to this point and how you got involved in this very important work. And Amy, we'll let you start. Uh, thank you, Lene. Um, I um, grew up in Des Moines, um, graduated from Hoover High School, first class at Hoover High, and studied at the University of Iowa, actually studied history, but ended up going into journalism, which was sort of a natural thing because journalism was in my family. Both my parents were journalists. Um, worked at the newspaper in the Quad City Times, worked in newspaper in um, um, at the Des Moines Tribune, and um, then eventually I switched over to Meredith Publishing, and I am, um, I was an editor for a number of magazines, and as you said, a traditional home was where I finished my career. I retired in um, 2008. I, no, I guess it was more like 2016, I'm sorry. Um, I have always been a nature and animal lover, and um, seeing the awakening awakening of life each spring inspires me. It's a, it's a very spiritual experience. I actually grew up um, as a Unitarian, and where nature was a very key part of our spirituality. Um, and as a new grandmother, I really was particularly um, drawn to the issue of the climate change and the damage to our environment. Um, I was particularly inspired by Greta Thunberg, the young Swedish student um, who addressed the World uh, Climate Summit. And I felt a, a need to do something valuable when I retired. So that's how I, I, I 
um, went to Plymouth Church because Plymouth does so many good things in the community, is a leader in many ways, and joined this particular coalition because of uh, that imperative that I be involved in some way to do something. And um, I do believe in the resilience and the intellectual capabilities of humans to do God's work on earth and to do justice. And so um, that's sort of what I'm trying to do is, is to feed into that and find a community to help uh, support me in that. Very good. Thank you. Lois? Well, I grew up um, on a farm in southern Iowa, and um, we had 100 acres of timber that was my mother's um, pride and joy because she bought it with her inheritance money. And um, we were down there a lot. We looked for mushrooms in the spring and gathered black walnuts in the fall. And so I have this fairly deep and long lasting attachment to nature. Um, and I haven't always known it was there, but I, I can't let spring go by without planting something, whether I harvest it or not, but I <laughs> that deep thing of, I just need to do all of that. So it's, it's a deep part of, of who I am. And I, I went to Simpson College, um, basically because my parents said that's where Lois is going to go to school when she <laughs> goes to college, you know, good Methodists and all. So anyway, and I, I went into the education field and uh, taught school for a while and then um, and as home economics of all things, and then moved into the college setting in the career area because I, I really do like to plan and um, I get excited about the future and stuff. So helping students think about their future and all of that was was exciting to me. And then like Amy, when I retired, um, you know, it's kind of like, well, now what? And uh, so I was on the Board of Christian Social Action at, at uh, Plymouth and was a liaison to the green team at Plymouth, which is a forerunner of the coalition that we have now. And from there, um, began to realize that there was all sorts of work to be done in this area. Uh, and not very much was happening in um, the church. And then so I'm going to kind of jump over into how I got into the Interfaith Green Coalition. But the, um, the green team at Plymouth just wasn't doing very much. And so I thought, well, surely other churches are, you know, so I called all around and kind of gathered up churches in our neighborhood, thinking this would be a neighborhood thing. And we met on um, Valentine's Day in 2015 at Smoky Row. Hmm. And a whole bunch of people came. And none of us had very satisfactory reports from our churches about what we were doing. And out of that, then we decided that we would just keep meeting. And so we have been meeting for six years, hmm. every month on Saturday, the third Saturday of the month. And we support each other and we share ideas, but mostly we just, it just is kind of inspiring to be together. And um, so we kind of leave there with a little bit of a boost. 
and and um, so I won't say anything more about that. But that's how I got into this. It just sort of <laughs> stumbled into it. Yeah, in a way. Mm -hmm. That's good. Sometimes that happens and gets mm -hmm. us into our most meaningful uh -huh. lines of work, yeah. paid I or unpaid. Yeah, the spirit is moving. I think. Yes. Yes. So Olivia, do you want to continue with our conversation here? Yes. Um, so to start, Amy, can you tell us a little bit about Plymouth's Creation Care and Justice Coalition? Sure. Um, the mission of the, the Creation Care and Justice Coalition is um, basically to seek awareness among the church members and the wider faith community of this moral imperative that we feel there is uh, to care for God's creation, to ensure a healthy planet uh, for all living things. We have uh, put on some workshops and some seminars and some panels, some uh, book clubs, some um, movie viewing are some of the things we've done. Um, but we, we um, are trying to work also with the church staff to improve um, the buildings of energy efficiency, uh, waste disposal systems, um, and have supported some sustainable farming efforts in the community. And we advocate for environmental justice. So we've it's it's a big uh, mission, <laughs> um, but we have uh, we meet regularly every month. Um, and one of our big accomplishments. Of, I can share that now is we um, recently did gain approval to have uh, solar panels installed on the church. Um, we had to get some funding being a nonprofit. It wasn't as easy as just getting some tax credits and getting the money for this was um, an issue. So we got some funding from our foundation and we hope to have those installed in the, um, the spring or summer of this year we have some roof repair to do first because of the directio but uh, so that is one of our accomplishments we also had a climate revival conference a couple of years ago 2018 we brought in uh, Reverend Jim Antal who is a United uh, Church of Christ leader on the climate issues and he gave very stirring presentations we had panels and we attracted people from around the community a number of um, uh, governmental leaders were invited and we actually got more people than we could handle. We were quite impressed with, with, with the turnout and, and it was very satisfying. Um, we hope to do more of those things once things settle down with the pandemic and we can, and we can keep people together. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So how, and I'm going to ask you first, Lois, how, how is faith and spirituality relevant to this climate crisis? How do you how do you feel like it reaches people where other avenues maybe perhaps don't? Hmm. I would say that when we, when we think about creation and that we are a part of creation, we are part of the web of life. I like that term because it includes all of us. And then if we consider our faith and that we are asked to care for the garden and a friend the other day mentioned that that was about the first commandment rather than the first 
the first ten, but that one was the first commandment, that we are to care for our garden. And as Amy said, it is a moral obligation. I mean, we are to care for others, and we are to look out for, for the least of these. And so there is that, that deep message of, of caring for all of Earth. And then I think the spiritual part of it is, is the hope that goes with that, um, that we are not alone, that we, um, we can aspire to more than we are with help from, from spirit. Um, and I, I think that that's probably, probably the key is that that sense of hope underneath all of that, that we, we can rely on that. And, uh, it's difficult to describe, I think. So um, that's about the best I can do with that. Yeah. But Amy, it's a deep you... sense of hope. Right, right. Do you have anything to add to that, Amy? I think that when you look at this amazing creation, whatever you view its or origins, it is it is truly... Uh, miraculous and it is I think that the church is probably the um, the best place for us to try to go and understand the great uh, gift that this is um, and to understand that it is a gift not just for us but for all living things in the planet and it's, and the the importance of the interconnectedness as Lois said that one can't survive long without the other every that the value of everything um and and also i think the importance of the, of coming generations i think we tend to be so focused on us and and we you know and exploiting what we can and and treating earth as an as an infinite um source of of our our consumerism and it's 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 not that and we have to be reminded of that and the church is a good place to be reminded of that 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 it's it's many many generations to come and we owe it um we are called to protect the, the, the this earth and this uh creation for all those yet to come um it's also a huge justice issue um as we've all discussed before that the, the those who are most gravely impacted are those who can least afford it and often those who've done the least to cause it the the poor um uh, that live in in areas that are flooded and and have hurricanes repeatedly and then are migrating and so we have this huge intertwined with all kinds of justice and racial justice and environmental justice issues which the church is called to deal with as we help you know god love of, of, of our neighbor um so I think that it's a very, if, if Jim Antal, the, the reverend who came from from UCC, has, has said, really, if there was ever an issue made for the church, this is it. Hmm. Um, it is a creation issue. It is a God issue. It is it is what we all must do to help each other, um, not only now, but forever, <laughs> or hopefully forever, as much as we get of forever, future generations and when we're gone. All right. So, um, where do you think in both of the, both of you, where do you think in your initiatives, have you had the most success with 
um, gaining people's attention um, and drive towards uh, creating climate and social justice solutions. I think that the, the number one thing people always want to know is specifically what they can do. And that's the, that's the frustrating thing. It becomes a very personal thing. Well, what can I do because I, I want to act? And I feel that way, too. And that's really the way I came into it. So we tend to, I think, get more interested in things like, um, you know, trash pickup or, or recycling or um, tangibles that people can do. Um, there's also been a considerable um, good interest in um uh that the, the migration excuse me migration and and those justice issues and what people can do and go out of the border um things like that uh the, the solar panel we you know i think we attracted some attention doing that um i think that it's important to try to do things that are visible so people can kind of start to see and, and think about it more um so i would say those are some of the things it is kind of a tough issue sometimes to get people's attention and it, it's um because it because because it can be depressing and so you have to try to focus on the hope and and uh, the community of the hope yeah i think what we have found in the interfaith green coalition is that two of our more successful things were fairly large events within the community um the last one was um, just before the caucuses here uh, in February. We, we, one of our goals is to work with other groups and to build coalitions all the way through. So we had um, climate crisis parade, I think we called it. And um, we had over 70 organizations from across the state come together that day. Um, and people were coming on buses from Iowa City and uh, Northern Iowa. So we find that large groups like that, that kind of gather energy for people and give them uh, something to, so they can meet other people and have interactions with other people and not feel so alone as, as pretty invigorating. And, um, and the energy that went into planning that, um, we worked on that for several weeks by Zoom. And um, that stimulates you and helps you to not feel so alone. So, and um, we had another parade a couple of years ago that had that same effect. It wasn't as big and it was pretty much in Des Moines, but it also had that effect. So, and then the event that Amy was talking about that climate revival thing at, at Plymouth, we had lots and lots of people. And I think those things help. Um, so that's, I think I answered the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's good. So this is a, a very broad question, but but what brings you hope? Because when you when you get embedded in this work, as you just mentioned, it's easy to be overwhelmed, and and that can be paralyzing, which is the last thing we need right now. So what what energizes you and brings you hope to continue to do the work? I can answer that one. Um, the book that I'm going to recommend is Active Hope by Joanna Macy. And there are all sorts of good little nuggets in there. But one of the stories that comes out of that that always gives me hope is she talks about incongruous change. And she likens it to watching a, a bottle of water freeze 
And so for quite a long time, you don't see much. Hmm. And then pretty soon there's a little crystal here and a little crystal there, and then the little crystals start joining together. And then rather quickly, it freezes. And for me, I think that's what's happening right now. We have good things happening all around. We learned just on Sunday that there's a big solar farm in Eastern Iowa that I didn't know about. There are lots of solutions happening out there. And I think they are coming together now. And um, I think we are on the verge of real change now. We've got Biden in the office. We had the conference yesterday, John Kerry speaking to us yesterday. That brings me hope that this sense that it's coming together and that um, enough people are um, collecting together worldwide now that um, that's where I'm putting my hope at the moment, this incongruous, that suddenly it's gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> After a very long time of seeming like nothing is happening, um, I think it is, so. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything to add to that, Amy? I think that, that Lois put it very well. For me, it definitely is the community when I do feel um, overwhelmed it's being around other people who um energize me so we come together and and say well let's let's do this and it's just as we said on a meeting the other day plodding along just keep at it just keep talking about it keep um um believing i tend to be a somewhat optimistic person anyway so i i just try to believe the best in people and that that really um, no one wants to destroy this planet. We just have to come to that everyone on a on a basis of let's let's talk about this and have solutions. So the community is very important to me. I I very much find hope in spring. I find hope in the fragrance of lilac bush. I really do feel um, hopeful when I'm outdoors, and, and inspiration often comes from just from that experience. Yeah. And do you have a book you would recommend to our listeners, Amy? I um, I think I I really enjoyed Mary Piper's book, and I cannot remember the name. I think it's Rowing North. Um, I will have to give it to you, and maybe we can put it. We'll on get it on the she's website. Not, yeah, she's okay. written a number of books, um, and uh, she is um, a psychiatrist and a social uh, activist in, in Lincoln, Nebraska. Very good. Yeah, we'll look that up. So final words of wisdom. What would you like to leave with our listeners today that encourages them to keep on keeping on? <laughs> Don't give up. Just keep talking about this, believing that others care, um, that we all play a role, um, that Sometimes you have to look at the, the, the long view. We've been through an awful lot already and have survived. And, and we, we can do this. We can. We. I, I truly believe in the in, in the capabilities of the human mind to solve these issues. Um, we can do it. We, we solve the ozone problem. That's that's one thing that I always think of. You know, that was a big issue. We solved it because there was no pushback on from. Um, uh, these these things can be solved. So um, just keep keep working keep believing, um, persevering. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's I like what that. I would say is, you know, just don't give up, even though it does get tire tiring. You you just have to regroup every so often, and like we keep saying, getting together with other people working on this and laughing with them and and giving yourself a break to lighten up a little bit. And I, we find that in Interfaith Green Coalition, it's it's just a great group of people and we support each other. And then you can go back out there and hit it again. Mm -hmm. And and we just have to keep the pressure on talking to politicians. Um, I think businesses are key to this. And I'll just throw that in that contact businesses, encourage them in what they're doing and, you know, scold them if they're if they're not and because it they are quite responsive to their consumers mm -hmm. so we have power in that way yeah. so i don't know whether that was wisdom or not but <laughs> no that's really good wisdom so olivia your final words of wisdom on this topic and the entire series that yes um i think if there's anything that we've learned from this series as well as our conversation today is that climate change action and social justice action cannot be separated. And if they are, we will never come to meaningful change within the climate change movement. Um, and I also, going off of our conversation about hope, um, yesterday on Earth Day, I felt very hopeful about even just the social media um, messages and posts that I was seeing where people were not only showing appreciation for the earth, but they were also recognizing their privilege in, in using outdoor spaces um, and uplifting indigenous voices and voices of color um, that are making meaningful, meaningful action um, in climate change today as well. Right, yes, yeah, well said. Well, thank you so much. Amy and Lois for joining us on this cap of our five-week series focused on climate change. Um, and thank you, Olivia, for co-hosting this. This has been a great experience for me, and um, I've really enjoyed the conversations. For those of you who have missed the show on the radio, you can always go to yourgreenportal.com and hear the podcasts, see the blogs, and you can also check us out on Spotify. But until then, um, stay, stay healthy, tune in every week as we try to bring conversations forward under that umbrella of sustainability. And we hope you all stay engaged within your own lives. And we thank you for listening. That's all for this edition of Green City. I'm Lene Marty Henson, and I hope you continue to listen in on these conversations focused on the broad realm of sustainability. I truly believe that we go further faster when we come together to have real dialogue, inspiring us toward practical solutions. Let's continue to learn from each other how best to nurture this precious planet we call home. Thanks for listening. We are truly grateful.